We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. I am your host. Today is Devin Lloyd Day. I don't get to talk about Utah as much. Uh, I know everybody kind of hates it, but today uh, I get to talk a lot about Utah football and specifically Devin Lloyd. So I am hyped to uh, talk about the linebackers in this class. And uh, joining me to do that are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Alex, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing good, and just despite my disdain for Stephen talking about Utah all the time, this is the one day of the year where I will give him the executive privilege to talk about Utah to his heart's content. Yeah, man, it's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait to do that. So, uh, I mean, we had a we had a really nice outdoorsy day for at least two of us. Alex went to the beach. I, went, I took my dad golfing here in Fresno. So, uh, you know, it was a good day. I don't know if Tyler went outdoors, but uh, Tyler, how are you doing, man? Uh, well, I did laundry. Uh, I cleaned, did laundry. <laughs> I did all those things. So I hope you enjoyed the sun and everything. Uh, so yeah, I just did laundry. But can't wait to talk about linebackers. Can't wait to figure out which one Tom Telesco is going to trade up for this year. Oh, gosh. Uh, as much as I like Devin Lloyd, I do not advocate for trading up for him. I think that would be a mistake. <laughs> um, but we'll get into it. So I, I think that's a good place to start and, and kind of you know, discussing how we think the Chargers can add to this specific room or if they are going to obviously we're, we're fresh off of the kaiser white situation um and so right now the room can definitely be, uh, be described as a little lacking you know with kenneth murray drew tranquil amen agbong and nick neiman uh so tyler if you know if you kind of had to dissect all the breadcrumbs that we've gone how do you think 
the Chargers could add to this room in this uh, specific draft class. Oh, boy. It's such a puzzle, this linebacker group, because you see some pieces where it's like, okay, this four could be a good group. You have a first-round pick. You have a, a former starter, sort of current starter, Drew Tranquil, that I think they like. You have Nick Neiman, who is an, you know, a really good special teamer for them, which is exactly what you want out of a six-round pick. You have Amen Ogbong Bamigo, who they feel really good about. And yet, I don't want any of them to start. Like, I don't want any of these guys to start. They they will, but I don't know if they're all going to be the caliber that we want them to. But for this particular group, I think they're going to stick with these four. I think maybe a seventh round pick is a linebacker, but I think they're going to stick with these four for better or worse. If they decide to upgrade over somebody, it's obviously tranquil. Mur- like Murray is safe. People really want to have Murray not start. I did a poll. And some people are like, well, you're just assuming Murray's linebacker one. I am. And so I don't think they're going to upgrade over Murray. I don't know if they're going to upgrade over Tranquil. It's really just like it's a seventh round pick to me. But if they upgrade over anyone, I think it's Tranquil. And if they do, I think they'll they're not in a I don't know if they're really even in a position to upgrade over Tranquil. But if they do, they're going to look for somebody that we'll talk about, some guys that we can talk about in a bit who just attack the line of scrimmage, who do rush the passer. The Chargers were at their best when they had two linebackers that could really rush the passer. It's going to be Murray and Tranquil this year, but I think they can go Murray and, say, Chance Campbell or something like that later on. Just guys that get after the quarterback, have a high RAS score. So I, I think that's what they could do. But to me, honestly, like completely honest, I'm hearing that the just everything you hear is that these four are the four, and I don't think they're going to carry five. I think they only did that last year because – they wanted to develop some guys, and then Kaiser White was on his way out, and Murray was kind of hurt, and Tranquil was not reliable. This year, I think they're going to stick with four, and I think they're just going to see these four the entire rest of the way, barring some spectacular fall. Yeah, I, I think it's probably going to be these four as well. Um, the The real question mark is day three. If there's a guy they like or a guy that slips, I think they can take one. Um, but as far as like best player available... I honestly think it's best player available minus linebacker when we talk about the first round pick, just because of how mm-hmm. we've seen Brandon Staley value linebackers. I don't think he would take a first round pick on Devin Lloyd if he doesn't think that position is, is super important to his defense or Nicobe Dean or any of these guys that we're going to talk about it in the, in the top, you know, three of our rankings. Uh, so for me, I don't feel super confident in it. And there's a lot of analytical reasons and film reasons not to be psyched about Kenneth Murray, uh, you know, giving him another shot um, when you see such development in his rookie year and then like such an incredible, unfortunate regression in his second year. Um, You know, there's the argument that he was injured last year, but, you know, even when he was healthy, he just was never there completely. And the Raiders came as the Raiders came uh, in terms of what, what there is to say about Kenneth Murray from that. But uh, I, I don't think this defense values linebackers enough to spend a first-round pick on one, unlike the previous Gus Bradley defense. And so, therefore, I think the Chargers are probably in position for a day three undrafted guy. And so, for that, uh, I'll say that that's probably where the Chargers find a linebacker if there is one to add to this room. Yeah, you know, I, I think everything that we're hearing right now is is that Kenneth Murray is going to be the weak side linebacker. And that's... You know, kind of a kind of a surprise to some. You know, he was drafted to play the middle of uh, Gus Bradley's defense, and you know, it was he was going to be their version of Fred Warner, Fred Warner, and Bobby Wagner, and all that stuff. He was going to be kind of that that ball of clay that you can mold into that kind of player. 
And I was always really interested, right? Whenever I saw him and Kaiser White on the field at the same time, Kaiser was on the strong side. Kenneth Murray was on the weak side. And so I think Brandon Staley is trying to make things a little easier for him. He doesn't have to sift through as much traffic and motions and things like that as whoever plays uh, the, the mic, whoever plays on the strong side does. So I think that's kind of where we're at with Kenneth Murray. I would expect him to be the starter, like Tyler and Alex have kind of said. I don't think the Chargers would value somebody like a Devin Lloyd or a Kobe Dean in the first round where they would draft him to replace Kenneth Murray. So Murray's going to get his shot. You know, this is kind of the third year, which we've generally seen as kind of like the last chance for most of these, for most NFL players, most kind of raw projects. So uh, it's a really important season for him. And you know, when I interviewed Daniel Popper a few weeks ago, he mentioned that there's still a lot of love in the building for Kenneth Murray. You know, there's mm-hmm. obviously the ankle injuries that he had to to both ankles last year it is kind of presumed to have hindered him. You know, his adopted brother passed away during the season, so that potentially could have affected him. So there's a lot of context there that I think does need to be thrown around. But then again, you see him when he does get healthy for the Raiders game playing over Kaiser White injured Tranquil, and it's just kind of a mess. So this is a really important season for Kenneth Murray, but I expect I do expect him to get that chance to to kind of prove his worth this year. Yeah, and to a certain extent, like he does deserve to get that other chance just because of what you talked about. There's so many things this year that hopefully do not happen again, you know, that, that happened last year. Obviously, close death in the family. Can't imagine that happening. Can't imagine going to work and then being criticized and fighting for my job while you know, my sister passes or whatever. I can't imagine yeah. that. You know, I can't imagine being told, okay, you're a linebacker. Okay, well, now you're the will linebacker. Now you're an edge rusher. Well, now you're going back to linebacker. It's like, whoa, what are we doing here? Oh, then I'm injured as well. It's just, it was such a tough, tough year for him. I, again, everything on tape was not great. There wasn't anything there. But it's like, okay, that's, that's what you're building on for the future there. But yeah, a lot was bad last year. I assume it just won't happen again this year. Obviously, hopefully nothing tragic happens. Hopefully they just keep like start of the year. You are our weak side linebacker. That is your role for 17 games for better or worse. And I think that'll just do so much for him because they really did a disservice to him last year. Yeah. And I, I feel like they had a need to like try him at edge and try him in all these other spots just because, you know, how yeah. the uh, dominoes fell around him in addition to his own injuries, in addition to, you know, some of his own skills kind of in the middle declining. I think they just felt the need to like put him everywhere. And that obviously put him at a disadvantage uh, compared to, say, other linebackers in the league and how you can evaluate their tape. So for me, um, I, I do hope he bounces back. Uh, I just I feel I'm getting the feeling more and more that he kind of fits out of the Brandon Staley defense in the long term. But I, I do hope he bounces back and, you know, shuts us all up for, for lack of a better term. Yeah, ex- exactly right. And, you know, we're all rooting for him. We were all really excited about the player and the person that the Chargers drafted. And, you know, there's so many good things that he has done in the community to this day that I think kind of lends itself to at least being a high character player that. Just needs to figure some things out on the field. And obviously, we are hoping for that. It would be fantastic if he does, right? Because then you don't have to wonder about linebacker and kind of where the future is for the next two or three years. You know, if he can prove worthy of that fifth-year option down the road and and maybe get a a nice little extension, I think that's a great scenario for him as well. And so, 
Uh, James C pointed it out, and I assume that's Tyler who responded. They are high on Eamon Ogbongwamiga. We've heard from several different sources that they do really like him, and they think that he can be a productive starter. And Daniel Popper has said the same thing and came on our show and said the same thing. So there's a lot of smoke about Eamon Ogbongwamiga potentially being a starter. I don't necessarily necessarily think that they will hand him the position by any means, but you know, it is interesting because Drew Tranquil didn't really play a whole lot of strong side linebacker either. And that's kind of why Amon was able to play when Kaiser White was mm-hmm. missing in action or, or you know, uh, getting reps in the in the scrimmage. So they're high on Amon, man. And, and I, I said this on Twitter uh, last week. If he were the starter, I would not be surprised at all if that were kind of what, you know, came to be uh, out of training camp this year. I'm hesitant to buy that they're high on Amen Ogbong Bumiga because sure. we also heard a lot of guys out of training camp and before training camp last year where it was also like, hey, you know, this guy is going to really light it up, Tyron Johnson, and then he gets cut. Uh, so th- there's stuff like that where I am hesitant to see it until we see it in the preseason, until we see it kind of in action in terms of what their viewpoint on him is. Um, obviously last year, what they did with the starters is not play any of them in the preseason. So if they did that with someone like Amen Ogbong Kamiga, for example, that would be kind of an indication that they do really view him as a starter. Um, but yeah, I'm hesitant to buy it. And I also just don't think that Amen being high on Amen Ogbong Kamiga prevents you from taking uh, a day three sure. guy as well, uh, oh, especially if you are kind of going to move on from potentially tranquil later. Um, yeah. And I mean, I just, I feel really hesitant to buy it, and it's a limited sample size, but I'm pretty sure he was like the worst graded linebacker on the team via PFF. Granted, didn't get that many snaps, and a lot of them came in like that Ravens game where, you know, obviously the whole defense was just a mess that day for the Chargers. Um, But yeah, I'm hesitant to buy him as a potential linebacker one candidate. No, definitely. And and I think from watching the film and looking at the, you know, data, that is how I feel. Like, I'm just mm-hmm. saying, like, you know, what we're hearing is that they are high on him. So I totally get what Alex is saying. And I think that is the consensus around here. Like, Eamon mm-hmm. has a lot of things to improve. Like, watching him in coverage against the Ravens and against the Giants. And was there was another game that he started, right? Houston. Or was it the Vikings? Because uh... he started against the Ravens. And I know he started one other one and then played, like, extensively in the third. And it wasn't the Houston one. Maybe that was it. Maybe it was. Well, that's the one where Burkhead duked him out in the box. Okay. So then it was. Yeah. So there are things that he needs to work on. Right. You know, he, he, he sacked Kirk Cousins. That's right. So he must have started. I'll look it up later, man. That's going to bug me. But <laughs> I know he saw legitimate action in three games. Okay. Is what I'm trying yeah. to say. Um, But his covers, his coverage ability is, is severely lacking. I think mentally he just doesn't have the processing thing down yet and that's understandable I mean, he's an undrafted free agent but i think there are some intriguing traits there for sure I, I will say kind of transitioning into our rankings here i think if they are going to add somebody in the draft that's they need another strong side linebacker because i mm-hmm. think tranquil and neiman are kind of you know weak side linebackers coverage kind of players former safeties that they really like but they're kind of tied down into that position so murray can do both i think and Eamon is, is most likely a strong side linebacker, but I do think they need another strong side linebacker. So something to keep an eye on uh, as we kind of go through this list. So we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. That being said, let's jump into our top 10 rankings of the linebacker position heading into the 2022 draft. Um, I think I started the running backs off last time, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, let's start with Tyler. Okay. Tyler, let's do your uh, 10 through seven first. And then we'll okay. Uh, okay. My 10 through seven. So number 10, I have Chance Campbell from Ole Miss. At number nine, I have, sorry, again, as always, I apologize for name mispronunciation. Number nine, Darian Beavers from Cincinnati. Number eight, Christian Harris from Alabama. At number seven, Quay Walker from Georgia. I think Chance Campbell, there's a lot of guys. So I had 15 linebackers graded, and there are some who I just like don't like that much. But Chance Campbell is kind of, if you watch DeMarco Jackson, they did have sort of similar roles. And I think Chargers fans, if they watch Chance Campbell, they're going to go, wow, what a playmaker. What a really, really good player. And, you know, get him on the team. Look at the numbers. Look at the RAS score and all that. And th that's all definitely there for sure. But I think he should be kind of viewed as like a maybe more upside. I don't know if his RAS score is better than Nick Neiman, but kind of like a Nick Neiman. There are some guys later in the list who attack the line of scrimmage, blitz the quarterback, trigger downhill and all that because that's their processing and that's what you know they're doing as a linebacker and processing what they're seeing in front of them as a part of the defense. Some guys like DeMarco Jackson or Chance Campbell they're more just go blitz, go attack, do whatever. And I think that's great. Like it, it just, it kind of takes away from their ability to process. So when it's, you know, they're facing Michigan, they have that gap scheme run attack or whatever, and they have to kind of process what's going on. They struggle a little bit. So Chance Campbell is kind of like that, but he's in my top 10 because again, huge, huge upside. You know, he's got that, that attack the defense sort of mentality, but also roll a lot of flash on tape. Um, he's a guy who can get past the interior offensive lineman with a lot of speed. He can contribute on the edge as well. He's got a little bit of bend there as well. Um, I think he works well versus like the tight ends and running backs, like a pulling tight end or an H back or whatever, rushing the passer against running backs. I think he's good there. Um, he just is going to, he's a little bit undersized. He's not like the best tackler in the open field. He's going to struggle with the interior offensive lineman like head on. 
the tackles, but there's definitely some upside there. So if the Chargers want to take a guy, it could be DeMarco Jackson from, from App State, or they could just, if they want somebody who can just attack, right? They just want a high RAS score upside guy who is going to blitz like crazy. You can move him kind of all parts of the defense. I think Campbell's a guy that they could definitely gamble on on day three. So, you know, of the guys in my top 10 or the end of my top 10 or behind Chance Campbell, I think Campbell has the most upside because of his RAS score, because of his composite ranking and, and all that stuff he showed on tape. So did you uh, put DeMarco Jackson in your top 10 too? Or No, is... he's 11th. So he's actually okay. right ahead of DeMarco. So that was kind of the debate for you, DeMarco mm-hmm. Jackson and, and Chance Campbell? Pretty much, yeah. It, it kind of came down to Campbell being more a little bit better against, again, the tight ends, the running backs, and just a little bit more processing, a little bit more edge rusher um, stuff that he can do. So uh, pretty close. Pretty close to see if the grade was grade was almost the same. I just thought uh, like Campbell could do a little bit more. Okay. Yeah, I didn't get to watch Chance Campbell, but uh, I will definitely add him to the list. So uh, really quickly sh- before Alex goes, uh, obviously, shout out to Tyler's mom uh, for What's the up? super chat, as well as uh, Ross Ackerman, longtime listener of the show. So, shout out to uh, them for the super chats. Alex, any thoughts on uh, Tyler's list? And then you can go through uh, your 10 through 7. Sadly, I did not get a chance to watch Chance Campbell yet. So, unfortunately, that makes two of us, but I will circle back to that one as we get closer to the draft. Uh, I, I do maybe have one of Tyler's guys that we talked about in my top 10 uh, from 10 to 7 here. We did talk a little bit about Jesse Lucetta, uh, I think, previously, and I have him at number 10. I have Jojo Doman at number 9. I have Brian Asamoah at number 8. And then I have LSU's Damone Clark at number 7. And okay. so Damone Clark was kind of the really interesting one for me because of how I went about his evaluation. Uh, I didn't know any of the Spinal Fusion stuff until today. Um, oh. And so if you watch the tape and you watch the games beforehand, yeah. you're like, wow, this is a really great player. He can play off ball. He's an you know, intense run defender whenever he plays. Uh you know, one of the better ones in the SEC and I think really has a lot of kind of comps to someone like Jabril Cox, his his former teammate from last year. And he's just, you know, he makes a lot of sense uh, in in terms of how he can just like push, you know, uh, players back on the offensive end. I think he's Mm -hmm. solid in pass coverage as well. Um, But unfortunately, at 21 years old, he does have a herniated disc and requires spinal fusion surgery or I'm not sure if he got it or if he had it yet. Um, but he's a guy that would be higher for me and maybe in my top four guys, if this mm-hmm. wasn't the case, but unfortunately you're probably looking at him as only a late day three pick now because of all yeah. of that. Uh, he does have a real herniated disc, unlike Ben Simmons. Uh, so, uh, that's just one of those things where you look at him and it's just really unfortunate because I don't think that he really has a long NFL career. And if you're already having degenerated disc in your back at 21, um, I don't think that you can have any team that's going to take him before late on day three, but there's probably going to be a team that takes a risk on him and what he can do. Uh, But for all those reasons, not the greatest in pass coverage. I do have him at seven, but there's teams that I think could make it work. And you also have, you know, maybe a situation like Miami, for example, where you can just kind of let him sit for a year, let him learn from some guys and then see what he is in 2023. Um, but a bit mm-hmm. too much of a risk for the Chargers or really a lot of teams to take early on. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the Chargers do have a linebacker room where they could take a chance on him. Yeah. I mean, he's he's going to be redshirting, right? Like he he is going to miss the whole season, or at least most of it, according to you know the reports that I saw. And that's a big bummer, man, because I really like the film. I really like mm-hmm. the player and the stories that I was able to read about him. Um, and then, of course, you hear this kind of injury. So he, I don't have him in my top 10 purely because of medical concerns. If there were no medical concerns, then he would be in my top 10, probably in that, that 7, 8 range as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, his his film was really good. It's just the, the injury there is, is awful. Yeah, he would have made, I think, like, like 7 or 8, just like you guys said. I think we're all kind of on the same page there. Yeah, that's out of my top 10, but, you know, it, it's tough because you hear that you know, spinal fusion and I'm, I'm sure that's awful and that's terrible, but it's almost like, well, it's not a knee injury or it's like it's not a you know degenerative knee thing. So you think like, OK, maybe like you can get something here. So I mean, if the Chargers take him with one of those extra seventh round picks, I'd be all for it. There's just so much there to like and, and why not? So you think if they if they took him, you can just put him on IR and just kind of stash him the whole year. Is that kind of how that would work? Yeah. Um, also, correction: uh, a herniated disc is literally a degenerating injury. <laughs> oh. <laughs> disc in well, that's back. why you're going to med school. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why Alex is on the show right here. You know, that's 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 the Time check. <laughs> no, man, the the film is good there. I, I do like him as well. So, um, mm-hmm. I'll get through my ten through seven. At number ten, I have Christian Harris from Alabama. At number nine, I have Darian Beavers from Cincinnati. At eight, I have DeMarco Jackson from App State. And then seven, I have Troy Anderson from Montana State. So the the two small school uh, linebackers back-to-back. I don't know how high you guys have Troy Anderson, if at all. I didn't watch him. Didn't get a chance to. Alex? Uh, He is coming later on the list. Okay, he's coming later on the list. So I'll let Alex talk about Troy Anderson then because he seems to like him more than me so um i don't particularly love chris darian beavers or christian harris so i'm not really going to talk <laughs> about them i think there's you know darian beavers to me was one of the the most drastic cases mm-hmm. of the film not matching the combine and res scores because i think he has like a 9.6 res score and tested like a freak and then you watch his tape and it's just it does not match man like he he's moving out there at a really slow pace so uh, not a huge fan of those two players. Christian Harris, I think, has all the tools, but just mentally and effort-wise, it's just not a whole lot of consistency there, which was kind of a big issue for me. So I will talk about DeMarco Jackson, somebody that I think could make some sense for the Chargers. You know, he he does kind of fill a lot of different roles for, the, uh, for App State. And I think for me, just mentally, he's one of the more advanced prospects in this class you know uh jim Nagy, the senior the director of the senior bowl posted that clip the other day of him you know instantly recognizing bootleg and and just going right to kind of that deep Mm -hmm. corner route um and you know he's just really smart like that so i think he he's not as of a high ceiling as some of these other players but i do really like the physicality that he plays with i like the way that he is able to recognize things and sift through traffic so again, you know, he is somebody that I think could make some sense for the Chargers if they do want to add, you know, a fifth or a sixth round draft pick, maybe a little bit earlier for him. But um, there seems to be a good amount of love around him. But uh, DeMarco Jackson is somebody that I'm relatively high on uh, at number eight for me. Yeah, no, he's awesome. I think of him and Campbell, I think when it came to a quarterback scrambling, as soon as it's time for him to go get that quarterback to bail out of coverage or whatever he needs to do, 
right to him so fast. Elite speed tester, a uh, really good guy for sure. Um, is Christian Harris in your top ten, Alex? Uh, no, he he okay. came to me around eleven or twelve. So yeah, he's okay. kind of just on the outside looking in. Yeah, I just wanted to sort of have a discussion about that because I think he was someone I watched the the two linebackers early on. So I watched Dean and Harris really, really early on just to kind of get a feel. Sorry, I didn't watch Lloyd first, but the all 22 was 45 <laughs> minutes per game. So I'm like, nah. no, it was, it was rough. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, but like, I don't want to say he's the same thing as Beavers where it's a guy who didn't his RAS score didn't show up because it did. Like, I think his speed, yeah. the athletic traits, those definitely showed up. But then like, he's not a good tackler. I think there are times where he's just kind of slow on the field blocked out of plays a bit of a ghost in the run game yeah doesn't offer you a lot as a pass rusher this is a guy who's considered like the third best linebacker in this class sometimes second but typically like that maybe two to four or five range and i just didn't see it i mean some of the numbers like the numbers do look good it was a surprise like i think he tested well or in terms of our rankings he was pretty good statistically against the run but i'm watching him just getting shoved out of the way, not really involved in some plays. You know, maybe it's just the games that I watched, but I didn't come away at all. And neither of us, none of us did. I didn't come away thinking this guy was a top five linebacker at all. Yeah, uh, I, I think his evaluation is really interesting. And he's he's kind of one of those players for me where if he, was we- if he wasn't wearing an Alabama jersey, I don't know if we'd be talking about him as a top 10 linebacker in some of these hmm. instances. Um, I, I just think you compare him to what you see in the Georgia guys. Um, and you mm, know, even yeah. though there's questions about Nicobe Dean's physical profile, for example, like he just does so many things to the point where you can't leave him out of the top three, in my opinion. Uh, and so, you know, in addition to like how good he is as tackler and all these other things, um, I would say the same thing about someone like Quay Walker or Devin Lloyd, but for him, I just, yeah, he, he didn't really pass the eye test for me, and I didn't think that his athletic profile, like Stephen indicated, is nearly as explosive as the RAS score indicates. And there's a couple other of those in the top six for me here when we get yeah. there. But yeah. Now, Christian Harris, I think, like, there are flashes. Like, you see the range and you see the speed. For me, it was just, it was just like an effort thing. Like, I think so much of the linebacker position is just being that guy who's always flying to the ball and always sticking his nose into scrums and just being that physical, you know, imitator kind of presence. And I didn't really see much of that at all with, you know, him with, with him. And there are times, you know, like even Darian Beavers, like, you know, he's trying and doing his best to chase down someone from the backside mm-hmm. or, or running from sideline to sideline. And Christian Harris, just like the effort, it was just not there on a consistent basis for me. And so I think there are flashes of that, you know, high end totally um, mm-hmm. athleticism. It's just the, the effort and the mental recognition is not really there. And so I, I think there's there's a difference, right? Like, obviously, not all of these players are going to have all of that mental recognition. You know, some of these guys have played linebacker for like two seasons. You know, like Troy Anderson, it was a former high school quarterback, former college running back. Like, of course, he's not going to be mentally advanced. And, and you can live with some of that. You know, if there are those physical flashes, but when you add lack of mental recognition and effort concerns together, that just I'm I'm kind of out on that player. And if I had watched you know, like a Chance Campbell or if I had watched uh, and graded, you know, a Quay Walker, then Christian Harris probably doesn't make my top ten. Like I think you know, once I get to Chance Campbell and these other guys, 
then he's he's probably going to get pushed down. Yeah, I mean, he he was eighth for me. I think there is you just like you want to hold on to a sort of what the public consensus is, and b like there are things there to hold on to. But yeah, if I could watch a couple more guys, and, and it's very possible he could fall out of my top ten. I'm I'm not saying I'm happy you guys disliked him, but I but watched. Because we're on the I, same page. Yeah, I watched him early. I'm thinking, no way. It's kind of the same feeling I had with Demarvin Leal, where it's like, wait, how high is he ranked on TDN's board? Like, are you sure? And, you know, but finally we got kind of, I mean, I know Alex ended up liking him, but Leal's kind of fallen. He was 17th on their board at one point, you know, Harris being LB2. So I'm sort of glad we're at least all on the same page because we're all watching the same film, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, so a couple of questions from, uh, that I'm seeing about some safeties that could convert to linebacker or, or vice versa. Um mm. Tyler mentioned Jojo Doman in the chat. He did play a lot of like slot nickel for him. Yeah. He's actually listed <laughs> as a cornerback on pro football focuses simulator. Um, so he did play a lot of, you know, overhang nickel is kind of how they describe it. Um, Jalen Petre is not really a linebacker. I think he's more of a safety to me. And then um, really the interesting one that we didn't really talk about that Alex has is Jesse Lucetta mm-hmm. because some people have him as an edge. Other people have his own linebacker. Lucetta is somebody that I'm, I'm interested in, but I, I don't really know if he's versatile or just like doesn't have a position. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, and, and that, that that I think if you want to talk about converting people to edge, that kind of leads into uh, Leo Chanel a little a little bit. Uh, if you're just talking about like at the next level, what uh, he can do as a player, um, I, I think that linebacker, especially in Staley's defense, like is just kind of a bunch of guys that do things right. Like it's not like this guy has to do this specific thing or, uh, you know, this guy's the run defender. This guy's pass coverage. I, I think it's just kind of like a mishmash of skill sets, especially in a more modern defense. Uh, so for me, I think that you can kind of do a lot of things with with these guys there some of them are pretty versatile but uh i i wouldn't say that like i i wouldn't take jesse lucetta because of his position or i wouldn't take leo chanel just because i think he probably won't do well in pass coverage at the next level um i think that you can kind of mishmash and, and make things work what did like Lu- Lu- lukita lucetta how do you say it i think it's lucetta i think okay, it's so what what did lucetta do where they would consider him an edge rusher. Was he just standing as an outside linebacker rushing or like, yeah, that's what, what he, his... that's what he did this past mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Previously to this year, he was an off ball linebacker though. So I okay. think he did, I think in the senior role, he did both if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I, I didn't watch him. I didn't watch him as the edge. I didn't watch him as the linebacker, but the charges have met with him. So I'll have to. Yeah. All right, Tyler, let's get uh six through four. Okay, six through four. Number six, I have Brandon Smith from Penn State. Number five, Channing Tindall from Georgia. And number four, Chad Muma from Wyoming. Brandon Smith is a guy that I I definitely want to talk about who he has a not like his grade's fine. Like I have a third round grade on him. But to me, it's all about the upside. This is a guy who's 20 years old. Mm -hmm. I think he's going to turn 21 this month, if I'm not mistaken. He was a weak side linebacker last year. They moved him to more of that middle linebacker Mike role this year. I don't know why. I couldn't tell you why, but this is a guy you definitely want to bet on. And someone's going to find this guy and work with him and maybe just put him back at weak side linebacker rather than as your Mike backer. And this guy's going to do really, really well. This is one of those Penn State freaks. They have the defenders at Penn State or yeah. just Penn State in general. They have those freaks. This guy, Rari has scored 9.97. 
this dude in space like as a mic and middle processing linebacker not as much but when you get him in space he's got the range he's got the physicality he's attacking you know wide zone rushing schemes he's attacking screens he tested elite you know i really really like him on all that stuff on the perimeter you know you can do outside zone you can do toss whatever he's a total monster there are several instances of him you know just not as much like a stack shed guy but a real pop and shed guy or maneuvering past you know some of those blockers that I think in terms of the flash of him being able to knock guys over or get past guys with that pop, he might flash more than anybody else. He maybe isn't the most consistent, but he's got some really good flashes. There was a like a, a pulling tight end against Michigan or whatever, and he just knocks him onto his ass. Like there are plenty of instances where he is destroying blockers. So, so pair that with him being athletic enough to carry tight ends, you know, down the seam one v one. Um, he could do that. I, I wouldn't really consider him like that his strong suit by any means, uh, but he's definitely a force for the screen, those checkdowns. I really like him. Again, he's young. He's an athletic freak. He's He was new to his specific role this year. I think you put him back where he's a little bit more comfortable and maybe he doesn't have to you know, just, just see ball, get ball sort of thing. Not as much that processing. Um, and I think he's going to be really, really good. So, Or you, you keep him in that role and you just coach him up so that processing kind of catches up to his athletic traits and he's no longer hesitant where he's going to engage rather than catch the blocker. I think he's going to be a really, really good player. Like I'm not saying he has the highest ceiling, but he has a real heck of a big ceiling. And I, I think if, any, if you're going to bet on anyone in, let's say, round three, maybe not necessarily for the Chargers, but I think Brandon Smith could definitely be a guy you should bet on. Yeah, I have him at six as well and a mm-hmm. lot of the same notes. I think, you know, if you're kind of, you know, looping these players into similar categories or similar tiers, him and Channing Tindall are very similar to me. I think those mm-hmm. two really are like the best athletes that translates to the field. Those two players have insane range and speed and the ability to close gaps, unlike anybody else in the class. So obviously, Tindall, more experienced, has a little bit better understanding of the mental aspect of the position. Brandon Smith really is very inexperienced in that position. I mean, I, I know he was a starter last year, and they played like four games last year because of COVID. So, you know, he doesn't have all these reps that Channing Tindall has uh, under his belt. And, and um, Brandon Smith does have a high missed tackle rate, which is kind of a concern. But that's that's a technique issue to me because he does get have the tendency to go a little too high at times, mm-hmm. and that's something that several of these players have, of course. So it's not like, you know, Christian Harris, for example, who just like won't do it. doesn't have the kind of mm-hmm. mentality to do it. Brandon Smith just needs to, you know, tweak his technique a little bit. So uh, we're on the same page. I think his athletic traits, you know, really consistently pop on tape. He just mm-hmm. needs more reps under his belt. He needs a, a higher understanding. And I do think he has a really high ceiling as well. So I also have him at six. Alex, you're on mute. All right, I we are all there in agreement go. is what I was saying. Uh, we, <laughs> I have him in the six to four range too. I have been number five, and okay. his evaluation kind of reminds me just a little bit about uh, Jason Oway last year, where it's kind of like the production versus the traits question because I think he only had like sixty tackles, so he's not one of these like Devin Lloyd's where he has like two hundred tackles and all, <laughs> all these interceptions and pass breakups yeah. and whatever, you know. So he's not going to be a guy that gives you that. But it is more than the, the zero sacks that you guys harped on with OA last year. Uh, <laughs> and so for me, uh, I do think there's just that skill set and those traits that are there to bet on. 
Um, for my six to four, I do have Leo Chanal at number six. At uh, number five, I have Brandon Smith, like I just mentioned. And at number four, I have Troy Anderson. Uh, I will talk a little bit about Troy Anderson, but I also yeah. do want to mention Leo Chanal. Uh, Troy Anderson yeah. just plays like a souped up version of uh, Drew Tranquil, like a little bit. Um, I just see him kind of as a guy that's going to be different than just like, okay, he's a special teamer guy or he's like a day three kind of guy. Like, <laughs> obviously, he's going to go very high because of the RAS score, but he's one of those guys. And we talked about guys that play like their RAS score and guys that don't, where he plays like his RAS score. Like, yeah, he's running around there head on fire every play whether whether he's getting in the backfield for a stop or just trying to get like a sack on a quarterback um i, I think troy anderson uh is just one of the more complete guys in this class i don't think he's as high as a ceiling to the point where i could put him in the top three along with the you know nicobe deans and the devin lloyds um but i think he deserves his due as one of the smaller school guys and is one of the more impressive smaller school guys we've seen um number six i have leo chanal i'm gonna guess tyler has him higher yeah, I do too. Yeah. Okay. I yeah, you do too. Uh so for me, like if you just look at him and like just you know from his run defense snaps, uh, from everything he can do on the field, like it, it's great. You know, he he recognizes things, uh, I think in, in terms of just like getting to the line of scrimmage really often. Obviously tested like a freak at the combine. Um, but he's one of those guys where it's like it it didn't quite match up for me. Uh, in terms of the tape with his athleticism and that. And then there is the ultimate pass coverage problem. Uh, that is like <laughs> the elephant in the room on his tape. Uh, Minnesota, there's just a play where he just completely misses the wheel route and, you know, allows the running back like into the end zone almost all by himself. Uh, so that took him uh, down for me. If you tell me at the NFL level, we're just converting him to edge and... <laughs> Alex should be kicked out of the country for Janal at six. You can't kick me out of the country because I'm uh, out of the country. But anyway, uh, I will say that uh, he's one of those guys where I don't want to say it's like a, I don't think he's as talented as Micah Parsons, but you could probably like put him at edge and like have some success there. But if we're just purely grading these guys as linebackers, I think his weaknesses in coverage are really strong to the point where I could not put him higher than this, you know, second tier that we have in our three tiers. Yeah, I, I think I think even Stephen would agree. If we're knocking him for anything, it's coverage. So Absolutely. I understand like he, yeah. he's not one of my top two for a reason. So I I understand that. I'll, I'll get more into him later on. Yeah, and I I think to me like the concern is what kind of weight is he playing at? Because he he played at two sixty according to Wisconsin. And, you know, he did a lot of pass rushing thing. He did a lot of blitzing, lots of, you know, A-gap stunts and things like that. And that worked for him. And he's very productive. He's very physical. Um, so I do have him at four. So I'm a little higher than Alex. And I and I do like him a little bit more. But I, I totally understand the concerns about pass coverage. I was really surprised, honestly, to look at his film and then look at his RES score and, and see, like, a freak athlete. So not quite to the point of Darian Beavers, but... I was definitely a little bit surprised. That being said, I think the physicality and and kind of the different things you can do with him do you know kind of lend itself towards being an, an explosive player. So, um, at number six, I mentioned Brandon Smith. I'm sure I'm going to catch a lot of heat for this. At number five, I have Nakobe Dean, and then number four, I have Leo Chanel. So, uh, I guess I'll talk about Nakobe Dean because he's somebody that I really really wanted to like. His instincts are off the charts. Him and Devin Lloyd, I think, are 
the most advanced mental advanced linebackers from a mental standpoint in this class. But there's no way that there's no way that Nicobe Dean is 5'11 that he's listed at. I just he looks like he is so small out there. And granted, he's playing behind Jordan Davis and, and Devontae Wyatt and all these guys. But <laughs> yeah, I'm just really worried about the physical profile lending itself towards a consistent three down linebacker. So, you know, there's a lot of things to like from an effort standpoint, from a covering running back standpoint, from a instinct standpoint. But I think he really struggles at the point of attack from a physicality aspect of the position. He's not going to have the kind of frame and length to effectively cover tight ends on on occasion. So you're really putting him into a box of only covering running backs and doing zone coverage because he can't cover tight ends at all, in my opinion. And I, I just don't buy the frame holding up. So to me, there are a lot of concerns about Nicobe Dean. I really, really wish that I could take mm-hmm. his brain and put it onto a guy like a Brandon Smith or put it onto a guy like his teammate Channing Tindall. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the physicality concerns are enough for me to not necessarily kick him like all the way out of my top 10 or anything like that. Like I still have him in my top five, but they are relevant to me. Yeah, I, I, I totally get that. I think he's, he's, he's number two for me. I think if Chanel had been more consistent in coverage or was more of a coverage presence, I think, yeah, Chanel would have jumped him. I think if Muma was a bit better of a interior at the line of scrimmage linebacker, I think he could have jumped Dean. I think just Dean, because he affects the pass, both as a rusher and in coverage enough, and I think he's good enough at the point of attack, uh, or at least as a as a downhill linebacker, I think he was just good enough to have uh, himself over those other two guys. But I, I, I definitely understand the concerns. All right, uh, so Tyler, let's get to your top three here. Okay, number three, I do have Leopold Chanel from Wisconsin. Number two, Nakobe Dean. And number one, I do have Devin Lloyd from Utah. Steven, I did slap the latest possible first round grade on him, if that makes you feel. <laughs> yes, like that. there we go. Um, <laughs> Chanel, man, like, so I talk about like Chance Campbell and the way he attacks the line of scrimmage. You can almost, if you just watch Campbell and Chanel, you can be, and I guess even Jackson, you think, okay, like these guys all attack the line of scrimmage. I think Chanel does a better job processing it. Um, to me, so I was watching the Bootleg Football podcast, Brett Coleman's way of describing Leo Chanel. I didn't watch the player he compared him to, but he said that uh, Brett Coleman said that he's Logan Wilson. If Logan Wilson, from the time he was born, ate nothing but Wheaties and HGH. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that applies to to Logan Wilson and all That's that. I, I didn't watch him. Um, but this dude, like, it's the most important thing other than coverage, which is very important. But when you're playing linebacker, you're in the box. The most important thing, and even Luke Keekley has said this. It's funny because this RAS comp is Luke Keekley. You have to be able to affect the, the plays at the line of scrimmage or mm. behind the line of scrimmage. Those tackles for loss, right? And this guy, you know, 81% of his run defense tackles are run stops. That's within three yards of the line of scrimmage. His average depth of tackle is the number one you know, average depth of tackle among all of these guys. This guy is affecting plays at the line of scrimmage. Some guys, you watch them, and that's you know, why some linebackers aren't here where he is. They're waiting for the running back to get to them, right? It's, that's something you have to develop as you get better as a linebacker. And, and, he, and he just does that. He's able to get downhill, go get these guys. Second and run stops, first and run stop rate, 
not to mention fourth and pass rush productivity, third and pass rush win rate. Like this guy can do a lot at the line of scrimmage. And you, do you want him to be blitzing and attacking and rushing off the edge all the time? Maybe not, but they just couldn't stop asking him to do it. This guy has what, 10 yeah. sacks on the year? You know, he was chasing down per, the Purdue quarterback, four sacks in that game. Like they, they, this dude just affects the line of scrimmage. He affects the game. He's able to get those big plays for you. By the way, he scored a 9.99 RAS score. Like it's just, there's so much here to like about him. Number two RAS score in this class. He's the number two on the composite rankings. Like there's so much to like, except for coverage. Like you can definitely tell that <laughs> he's just not going to be your twitchy, you know, he's not Nakobe Dean. He's not Chad Mumba. He's not a lot of these guys when it comes to coverage. But I, I do think he did enough. Like working in zones against the tight ends or maybe a running back, whatever. I think there's enough there where you can keep him on the field. And worst case scenario, if he has to be there on third down, go rush the quarterback. Like what maybe yeah. you don't have to drop him to coverage over and over again. Don't don't take Chanel and then on third down go, let's just run him down with a wide receiver. So pray to God the 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 uh the Colts don't take him because Bradley will <laughs> certainly have him do that. But go attack the line of scrimmage, go attack the quarterback. And so he he's a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, some linebackers just wait for the ball to get to them. He's going to go get it. He's yeah. huge. Uh, there's a lot to like about him. So he's my number three. Yeah. You know, Chanel is, was a ton of fun to watch from an instinct standpoint, from a decisiveness standpoint, it, it, it just runs around with his head on fire. And there's a little bit of Zach bond to him, you know, a little bit more physical than Zach bond was. I mean, bond was a little bit more leaning edge rusher as opposed to leaning linebacker like Chanel is. So, um Chanel man like he he's really fun and, and I, I love that you brought up Luke Keekley because you know in that same I, I think that the interview where he said was with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks and other things that he was talking about outside of being able to affect the line of scrimmage is like as a linebacker in today's league like you've either got to be able to affect the run game at a high level you've got to affect the pass game as a pass rusher or a blitzer at a high level or, you know, be a, a true coverage linebacker. And I think you need mm -hmm. to do at least two of those things yeah. at a high level in, or in order to be a consistent player on the field in terms of getting snaps. And so if I take Chanel and I know that I'm at least getting a dominant run defender, like that still has value, right? Like I think totally. you know, we're, we're kind of, we have kind of seen that with Denzel Perryman. And of course, Denzel Perryman has his issues in coverage and things like that. But, you know, if he had been able to stay healthy, like he would still be on this team because he, is such a good run defender. And I think Chanel at minimum will be that in the NFL. Yeah, I, I think that's fair to say. I I just don't see him as like a Luke Keekley. I, I think I think he's somewhere in terms of the grit and grind scale. He's somewhere between uh Leighton Vander Esch and Luke Keekley. Uh maybe somewhere in the middle there. Uh, I just don't see him having the high upside that someone like a Luke mm -hmm. Keekley had. Um, but going into my top three. Uh, I think Tyler wisely steered out of the uh, Devin Lloyd conversation because we're going to let Steven go on for 40 minutes and <laughs> filibuster about that. So I, I will do the same. Uh, I do have at number three, Nicobe Dean. At number two, I have Quay Walker. And at number <laughs> one, I have Devin Lloyd. Uh, so I'll talk about Quay Walker, but I think he's the best NFL, you know, like uh, linebacker uh, prospect at Georgia you could sort of make like a distinction between him and Nicobe Dean, but I just think he's kind of more pro ready at this point and projects better as a pro. Obviously the size concerns are there uh, in a way with Dean where they're not there with Walker 9.66 RAS score and just tackles like a freak too. I think he's one of three or four linebackers who 
had you know one of the highest 40 times uh, along with uh, Chanal, Troy Anderson, and some of those guys, and had in conjunction with that a really low missed tackle rate. Uh, and so he's a really great tackler in that regard as well. And it's just the way he sheds blocks on film. Uh, there's a play uh, against Michigan in the college football playoff where <laughs> he sheds a block and then just lays one of the nastiest hits I've ever seen on poor J.J. McCarthy, uh, who was just put in that position uh, to accept the violence from Quay Walker. But he's just one of those guys when he is downhill, when he's either hitting the quarterback or the running back, um, I I love just seeing him work like that. I do think the one knock on him will just kind of be how he reads plays. Sometimes there's times where I think he can get a, a little more easily faked out uh, than some of those guys. But that's a trait that I think can kind of be coached up at the NFL level. Uh, if we're just talking about linebackers, but for me, um, I think that his physical traits, how he projects at the next level, um, it just put him in that tier for me where I would put him in in round one. Um, I, I think Channing Tindall is another one of those guys actually that was in that conversation mm-hmm. of uh you know low miss tackle rate, also really high yeah. RAS score. Um, but for me, Quay Walkers is a tier above those guys given how he plays, given how easily he kind of sheds blocks uh and and sort of can make tackles at a really effective rate. Uh I think that he you know is the better NFL prospect than someone like Nicobe Dean is, even though he's probably not going to go as high as Nicobe Dean. Uh, and that will end my uh, linebacker rankings. And I will, I will let Stephen talk about Quay Walker if he wants to, but more importantly, talk about Devin Lloyd. <laughs> I love you guys, man. I appreciate you supporting my uh, my <laughs> affinity for Devin Lloyd here. So um, I will say at number, um, just in terms of my top three, at number three, I have Chad Muma from Wyoming. Nice. And then number two, I do have Ch- uh, Channing Tindall from Georgia. So uh, similar feelings about, Alex and, and Quay Walker for me and, and Channing mm-hmm. Tindall, like I mentioned earlier, his range and athleticism and closing speed is just insane. And I do think he has the ability to, you know, uh, be an effective cover player, which he kind of showcased at the senior bowl. So uh, at number one for me, man, Devin Lloyd, my guy, I honestly, like I never thought that I would get to a point in my life when I would watch somebody mean more to the University of Utah football team than Eric Weddle did. So I know Eric Weddle's a bit of a <laughs> you guys kicking your legs up. I like it. All right. All right. So I got my I got my eight minutes here to talk about Devin Lloyd. <laughs> um in all seriousness though, Devin Lloyd to me it, it checks all the boxes that you could possibly want out of a modern NFL linebacker. And you know, as I was saying Utah went through a lot of shit this last these last two years, you know, obviously because of COVID, they had a running back, Ty Jordan, pass away at the end of 2020. Then in the middle of this past season, they had another player uh, get shot and killed as well. And Devin Lloyd was really kind of the glue that held the program together. He was the team captain. He was the leader. And if it were not for Devin Lloyd's leadership and, and just character, then Utah does not play in the Rose Bowl this past season. They do not go on this crazy run and, you know, have one of the most special seasons in program history. So, you know, I I don't know a ton about all of these other players as leaders, right? Like it's hard to really know that if you're not tuned in, but to me, Devin Lloyd as a pure leader is one of the best players in this class. and, And, you know, regardless of position on the field, man, like this guy has progressed so much, and, you know, he was a former safety, former wide receiver, 
and he comes to Utah as like a 210 pound lanky wide receiver safety recruit and ends up developing into one of the best linebackers in the country. So again, one of those players that is not necessarily super experienced from a mental standpoint, but man, did he work his ass off to become that kind of player. So I think from an instinct, from a recognition, recognition standpoint, he's got everything you could possibly want. He is able to affect the run as a dominant run defender, led the pack 12 in tackles for loss over the last two years was I think third in 2019 playing on a loaded Utah defense. So he, he checks both of those boxes. And then last year in 2020, they kind of flirted with him as a pass rusher and let him, you know, go on the edge a little bit, especially, you know, they would go to, you know, their dime package version and Nephi Sewell would be the linebacker. They put Devin Lloyd on the line of scrimmage and be an edge rusher. They, they flirted with that in 2020. And then in 2021, you know, he would go, he would get 10 to 15 snaps consistently on the edge. And he's got, he's got a better pass rush plan than several of these edge rusher prospects that we graded and they do it full time. And so I think he's got the length, he's got the athleticism he's got, I mean, he didn't test necessarily great, but I think from an instinct standpoint, you know, he's got everything that you want that can make up for it as well. And like I said, I, if you're looking for these linebackers who can affect the run, who can affect the pass as a pass rusher, who can cover, then Devin Lloyd checks every single box possible. So I never really bought the top 10 hype for Devin uh, just because you have to really be a truly perfect linebacker to be a top 10 pick these days. But I do think he should be a top 20 player. I think it's an interesting conversation if the Chargers do truly want to take the best player available. Um, but again, from a position value standpoint, I don't really trust that. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's that's my thing on Devin Lloyd, man. Like I think he's checks every single box that you could possibly want for a modern NFL linebacker outside of running like a 4-3 Micah Parsons type of athlete. But he makes up for it in every other category. So I love Devin Lloyd. Of course, I'm biased, but I am always I always try to be objective when it comes to my Utah guys. And mm -hmm. so I don't have like a crazy high top five grade on Devin Lloyd, but I do think he is a first round player. I do think he is clearly linebacker one, but I totally get some of the concerns. Like, I don't think he necessarily sheds blockers at a high level. He's one of the guys who kind of tends to get a little high in terms of tackling, but I think he's clearly linebacker one, clearly a first round player. Yeah, he I, I've done this the last couple of position groups where I, will bounce around names without going in some sort of like perceived order. So I don't go with like the top guy first. I just try to bounce around and see if I can find different guys kind of be surprised. So I got to Lloyd like fourth or fifth in this group and man, it just, it just popped differently. I think I messaged you at one point and was like, Holy crap. How is this not the easy linebacker one in this group? And like, I, again, maybe if you want like a Leo Chanel, cause he's huge and he's a crazy run <laughs> defender. Then like, I guess I could see that. Like maybe a team, with like Chanel first, but as a prospect, like Devin Lloyd, so much fun. I can't remember what the first game was. It was, um, I think it was Stanford, inside linebacker, playing all over the field, taking guys out behind line of scrimmage, down the sideline, whatever, fantastic player. And I turned the USC game, and he's doing like jump cross chops against the tackle. I'm like, what, yeah. what, the, <laughs> what the hell am I watching? I just didn't expect that because they didn't even show that in, in, the, in the Stanford game. And I go to USC, and he's an edge rusher, and he's a good one. You know, I'm not saying that should be his full-time thing by any means, but he can... 
he can basically do everything for you and i think he can do everything well um and and i was kind of bummed i guess that he didn't run super well at the combine but it didn't really bug me on tape by any means this is a guy who plays with his hair on fire all over the field um i, I think pretty safe like I, I hate to call a linebacker safe because you never know where you go what happens but he just feels safe like he can plug and play if a defense wants him and feels that he can fit in that defense like the chargers i think he could be an outstanding linebacker from day one because if he can do so much for your defense he can cover he can blitz he can rush from the edge all that sort of stuff he's a really really good player i i might only have like 12 first round grades when all is said and done on this class and lloyd's gonna be one of them yeah um devin lloyd was just i mean kind of heads and tails like above the class in terms of a guy who's going to be linebacker one for me um and it's just because he has the fewest question marks i think in my opinion we talk about like okay this guy's not good in pass coverage this guy could do a little bit better as a run defender uh devin lloyd might be like edge three (laughs) in this class if he positioned himself as an edge player uh you know a little bit of a stretch but i appreciate (laughs) it maybe it's a little bit of a stretch but you know what i'm saying like he's a very good edge rusher uh can do it in pass coverage too uh he can you know just kind of be all over the field in terms of where you can use him and for me uh, I will put, you know, Devin Lloyd at number one, and I think he he rightfully earns it. There's no, mm-hmm. Steven's not seeing through any Utah rose-colored glasses. Uh, he, he is co- correct on Devin Lloyd being linebacker one. Yeah. I do have a quick question on Devin Lloyd, actually, though. How old is he? Because I Googled this for like a, a weird amount of time, probably for like 10 minutes, and I couldn't find it. Yeah, so he'll, he'll turn uh, 24 in the fall. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, so he was uh he was a five year player at Utah, redshirt as a sophomore as a freshman. You know, if the Chargers draft him, it doesn't matter. They're not going to re-sign him anyway uh, for the first contract. So you know, I just got to get through that first one, uh, and we're good. Yeah, Lloyd Lloyd's awesome. Uh, okay, so I do want to ask and, and sort of test your fandom a bit here. Not a trivia thing. What players at seventeen that are going to be there at seventeen would you not take over Devin Lloyd? I'm talking like realistic sort of thing. So. Like Chris Olave, like uh, Jordan Davis, um, David Ojabo to a certain extent. Oh, that's a very different situation. Who are some guys at 17 that you wouldn't take over Devin Lloyd if you're the Chargers? Yeah, so I, I tweeted my official list out the other day. I would put Chris Olave ahead of Devin Lloyd, but that would kind of be the floor for me. Like, I think, you know, there's a certain extent that you get down my list and it's like, Oh, would I rather take a chance on David Ojabo despite his injury and his upside as a pass rusher? And I think Devin Lloyd would be right after that. So hmm. I'm definitely taking Devin Lloyd over Jordan Davis. I'm definitely taking him over Trevor Penning. I would take him over Kenyon Green. I would take him over wow, okay. Jahan Dotson. Like that crowd, I mm-hmm. think, is is a fair place for him. And like like obviously, like if Devin Lloyd is drafted by the Chargers, man, I'm buying that jersey as soon as that leaks <laughs> out, right? Like I would be absolutely thrilled with Devin Lloyd. And from a pure football standpoint, I do think he's a better prospect than Chris Olave. I think he's a better prospect than Zion Johnson. But mm-hmm. I think from a need and a positional value standpoint, I, I think that kind of you know would push him down the list. Sadly, you're going to be have to buying a Devin Lloyd midnight green jersey when he gets drafted. By the <laughs> now they have Kaiser, man. They don't need linebackers. Yeah. Yeah. Alden Lozano asking uh, about Utah questions, man. So, yeah, they've had three truly dominant players on defense, and Devin is one of them. 
Eric Weddle's the other, and then Star Lotu Lele on the defensive line is really kind of that other guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are kind of the three. But Devin is Devin to me is is the best Utah football player of my life, and I don't think it's particularly close. I believe you. I'm not going <laughs> to contest that. I don't know. Yeah. Who, who I, would be se- who would be second best on that list? Alex <laughs> that, Smith. Alex Smith would yeah, have to be second. Alex Smith is yeah. there. Yeah. And then yeah. Weddle, Weddle would probably be third. And then fourth would probably be maybe Tyler Huntley, honestly. I like so. that. Again, like, I, I mean, people are going to listen to this and be like, oh, of course the Utah guy has Devin Lloyd. And it's like, I'm I'm able to be you know subjective when it comes to my yeah, guys yeah. and you know and the NFL like I didn't have TJ Pledger in my top ten as a running back like I <laughs> yeah <laughs> Steve, Steve Covey didn't, didn't make my top 10 yeah was, you, you didn't put say. a Rutgers running back in your top ten <laughs> <laughs> no but, but Pacheco deserves it but anyway no I <laughs> no I think it would be funny if Steve had put Covey as like his number one receiver or something but I, <laughs> but no I I think that you know he he doesn't view through rose colored glasses and I think that the fact yeah. that the consensus agrees with him is is is, is telling. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. Steven's grade for for Lloyd is 0.01 away from my grade for him. So, I mean, <laughs> and I'm not a I'm a USC fan, really. So it should be lower for me. So that's objectively, Steven did a very good job. Uh, I I honestly thought Steven would have a higher grade on him. I'll be completely yeah. honest, but um, that's because Steven's very objective. So I'm I'm proud of you for that. I, I just I was just laughing at how Stephen went on for like three minutes about Devin Lloyd off the field and then went to <laughs> now Devin Lloyd on the field. <laughs> I just I, I, I love it. Yeah, man. So Devin is my guy. I, I can't wait to see where he ends up again. I never really bought the top ten hype that was happening like early in January. Just mm. like the top ten is always quarterbacks, offensive tackles, edge rushers, corners, yeah. receivers, and so. I'm really curious to see where he ends up and he could certainly be a Philadelphia Eagle. Um, I'm really hoping anywhere except for Las Vegas. I'm not really picky about that, but uh, I think if he were like, I think he, he, to me, he seems like a perfect Patriots player, but Mm -hmm. I know that they need a bunch of other things. So I'm, I'm really curious to see where he ends up. Here's a, here's another test of your fandom. If Devin Lloyd were to be on the Broncos or chiefs, let's take the Raiders out of it. Would you buy his Jersey? No. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, he, he's dead to I can't buy a Chiefs or a Broncos jersey, man. I just, uh, I, I couldn't do that. I, I'd buy maybe maybe a T-shirt, maybe a T-shirt. But, uh, <laughs> not a jersey. So and Collins last year, they the Cardinals took him, but kind of made him an edge rusher, didn't they? Am I mistaken? And Jamin Davis is really the first inside off-ball linebacker. I don't think they really played Zaven a whole lot. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's kind of their thing. Like they did the same thing being with Isaiah bad. Simmons. Yeah. Sweet. Um, being bad. Yeah, honestly. So I think Zaven was kind of a hybrid at mm-hmm. Tulsa. Yeah. But yeah, Jamin Davis was really like the true first off the ball linebacker because Parsons was kind of a hybrid too. Man, Jamin Davis went 19. Like Lloyd yeah. is better than Jamin Davis. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think if Parsons had played, like he would have played his, you know, uh, would have been his junior season. Mm-hmm. Didn't have the off the field things that I was, you know, I didn't grade him because of those things. Um, but I think from a pure prospect standpoint, like I think Parsons would absolutely be better than him. Um, 
and but then you have I think Lloyd is better than Collins, and then he's better mm-hmm. than Jamin Davis. Yeah, I think he'd be LB one for me too. Uh, so he his birthday is in September. So I don't really know <laughs> a whole lot about horoscopes, but I know Devin Lloyd's birthday is in September. Did anyone go to his birthday? <laughs> uh, I just looked up what the one for September is. Apparently, it's Virgo. So he has big Virgo energy. I don't know. Uh, women mm. know more about that than me. Yeah. <laughs> well, we just lost our fan base. Takes a lot. <laughs> uh, Virgo. <laughs> Steven, when yeah. were you born? January 5th. So I think I'm a uh, Capricorn. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. You're a Capricorn. I'm a, I'm the fish one. I don't remember what that one's Pisces. called. Pisces. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't buy and I don't, I don't buy and believe in horoscope signs. <laughs> okay. You know. So Virgo and Capricorn are a sweetly matched pair that can become um, wholly devoted to one another. That's Steven and Devin Lloyd, baby. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. That is accurate, man. That is accurate. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, Lloyd should be the Chargers Edge 3, honestly. He would be. He would be. He yeah, would he would be. be. <laughs> like, and th- maybe there's some. Well, wait, hold on. Maybe there's something to that. Like, wait a minute. What if they take him and Murray's your dime linebacker and Lloyd's your Edge 3? I, I like the idea of this comment, Virgo Energy. I thought the stream was about linebackers. It was about linebackers, and we we just now gone we're, off now the we're at the end of the show where we're talking <laughs> about horoscopes. Apparently, <laughs> no one listens anymore at this point. So, <laughs> uh, Brett's girlfriend agrees about the uh, Virgo Energy. I guess so. so cool. cool. <laughs> James C says he'd rather be a killer whale. What is what is that it's, about? Is that one of them? No, kill a whale is not a sign. (laughs) (laughs) Virgo, no, no, no. I thought thought the whale might have been one of the signs, but I knew kill a whale. Kill a whale was one of the signs. Oh my goodness! No, but I. I, We'll kind of wrap it up here, I guess. Uh, (laughs) Any final thoughts, you guys, before we head out? Um, no, other than people in the chat. I see your comments about other linebackers. We probably just didn't get to them, man. We got to like 15 of these guys. Yeah. Sorry we didn't get to the day three, round seven guy that you really like because you grew up there. But we're trying, man. We're really trying. Yeah, I will say my biggest blind spot is that I haven't watched uh, Chad Muma yet. Uh, so that's a guy that I've wanted to I get totally to. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he, he wasn't in my top 10, not because he wasn't good, but because I haven't watched him yet. So that's someone I'll have to go back and watch and, you know, readjust the rankings, you know, maybe as we get closer to the draft. Mm. Um, but no, I, I, I'm excited for the Chargers to take none of these guys because they won't <laughs> yeah. take a linebacker because they're excited about Amen Ogbong Bamiga's 33.1 PFF score. Oh, Jesus. What was low? what was Kenneth Murray's? Thirty four. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Sorry for the hard dose of reality today. <laughs> Man, a smidge better than an undrafted free agent rookie. My gosh, that's bad. All right, so yeah, I, I do like Chad Muma a lot. We didn't really get to talk about him. Maybe I'll do a, a different kind of video on him, but mm-hmm. you know, Chad Muma is somebody that I think is going to be a, a really solid NFL player. Um, there are other linebackers that I didn't really get to, or, or you know, really was a big fan of. Like I, I watched Brian Osamoa from Al- from Oklahoma, just was not really into that. JoJo Doman, I think, is really interesting as a coverage guy, but I mean, mm-hmm. he's going to be 25 as a rookie, so that's fun. 
And then I didn't get to like yeah. Malcolm Rodriguez. Malcolm Rodriguez is listed at like 230. So, and he's like sixth round on PFF and TDN. So I didn't get to that portion of the linebackers yet. And if I had the time like I did last year, I probably would have. But uh, this year, I do not have that time. Yeah, Brian Osamoa, uh, I watched him get blocked 30 yards downfield against Baylor. And I'm like, oh, yes. I'm like, <laughs> like, what a great interior offensive line rep. Um, yeah. yeah he, he was getting pushed around in that game. So people have him as like a top five linebacker. And I'm like, okay, well, he's he's over there still. He's, he's still <laughs> over there on their field. Yeah, I have him on the – I had him at nine. I think I had him at uh, – no, I had him at eight. Uh, but I have him on the back end of my top ten. I, I can't mm-hmm. imagine putting him top five just because of the physical limitations. Um, that too. Yeah. Yeah, he will be getting pushed on the list once you watch Chad Muma. I'm pretty confident in that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> but it's all good. So um, that's going to do it for us today, guys. We'll be back on Wednesday to do um, one of our other position breakdowns. I think we're moving to tight ends next. So um, potentially a need, you know, maybe depending on how they feel about Donald Parham. So uh, we'll get into that. And then, you know, if the Chargers do make any more moves in free agency, uh, which I, I know you guys covered yesterday in the q and I don't really foresee anything big, obviously, but uh if anything else does happen we will have you covered so we're less than four weeks away from the draft man everything every episode gets us closer and closer uh exciting times ahead of course so that's going to do it for us today if you're listening to the audio version as always please leave us a rating or review we really appreciate all that positive feedback and then if you're watching this right now please uh go like the video subscribe to the channel and uh just cross a million views so i know you guys kind of celebrated that uh yesterday on the q a but that's obviously something that is uh really exciting so that's going to do it for us today like i said we'll see you guys on wednesday as always bolt up for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call click or just stop by Granger, for the ones who get it done.